and we are recording. Okay. Three, two, one, blast off. Polly Paul. We're going to need to clap again. Paul, if anything else goes wrong during this recording, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> it's been your fault. <laughs> I didn't say it was your fault. I'm not 13 reason whying you. <laughs> uh, three, two, one. <clears throat> all right yada 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 big facts no cap it's been a it's already been a minute so paul are your chicken sandwiches even room temp at this point or are they just ice cold they're ice cold like my feelings for our friendship are yeah that sounds about right after uh, what you've done to me anyways quick intro we're doing a third segment off top because we want our sandwiches to be hot make it drop that's some hot ass sandwich um but uh, it's already been a while because of technical difficulties. Uh, I had some yucks that I want to do off top about. I watched some YouTube food reviews. No, to, no, no. Uh, don't, 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 don't do that. Don't go meta. Just tell the story. Okay. Well, because like during our last food taste test, I could tell self-critically that I, I didn't describe the food as eloquently as I wanted to. So I looked up. Ruby yeah, Bra, I know best. The du- Yeah, okay. Uh, I looked up the dude. He's kind of famous on YouTube for doing reviews. His whole aesthetic is he's a little nerdy white guy who wears suits to go to fast food places and try their food. And from watching him describe the Popeye's chicken sandwich as crunchy with a good tang from a pickle, I realized that, as I've said before, all food like media is stupid and I shouldn't feel bad for having a so-so description. I will not stand for slander if you're review bra on this podcast. I think it became very apparent to me that there, the, the variation in ability to describe foods is a very narrow window, and what really matters is your aesthetic and, like, your presentation. Okay, you're right. You don't go to his channel for necessarily, like, his eloquence. You go to his channel for the humor, the kind of, like, lighthearted chit-chat between for his kind of, like, gentle and pleasant demeanor. The thirst traps. <laughs> That's why you go to his Instagram. But mm. no, yeah, you visit his YouTube channel for a very certain reason, and it's for an overall nice experience. You're right; it's not about learning about food. It's about it's about the pleasant experience sure. of watching a report of the week video. Sure, and I will say this: he's a very um, neat eater, and I appreciate that about him. But we're not visual; we can be as sloppy as we want. I'm gonna get <laughs> mail all over this uh, microphone, and uh, Paul, let's just jump into it. What do you got? What do you got for us today? And I'm going to start out with some sloppy ASMR for the audience as I unwrap my first. Oh, do you want to explain the uh, concept, Adrian? So you have noticed a trend in... Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I wasn't like the first on the ground to report it. Um, I think a couple of news outlets beat me to it. Um, <laughs> but yes, there are a lot of new chicken sandwiches You're a bit of a gumshoe. I'll describe <laughs> you as a gumshoe reporter. I was looking for Carmen Sandiego. <laughs> and I stumbled upon this story about how... Uh, this is when this becomes an uh, episode of Serial, <laughs> it's about <laughs> you breaking the chicken sandwich story. And you'll never guess who's funding it. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I just A lot of new fast foods, chicken sandwiches are coming out uh, to compete with the Popeyes. Going away from like the chicken ground patty to like a whole thick thigh breaded and fried with some pickles. Yeah, that's what my roommate said to me. He was like, oh, w- wait, you and Adrian are reviewing chicken sandwiches? I was like, yeah, we got to go to McDonald's to grab one because we're reviewing all the new ones that are coming out of restaurants. They're like, McDonald's has always had one. I was like, clearly not the same thing. <laughs> like, minced chicken meat in a patty format is not the same as, like, a chicken filet sandwich, a fry. They did for a while have, a like, a country one that was supposed to compete with Chick-fil-A, but I think it just got outcompeted. 
Oh, so they're trying again. This is the second time. Yeah, they're going on the second wave. So uh, we didn't want to try all the four or five that are out that are new right now. So we each chose two. I'm going to be covering Kentucky Fried Chicken's new spicy chicken sandwich, uh, as well as Wendy's Chicken Jalapeno Popper Sandwich. And I will be reviewing both the spicy and regular McDonald's chicken sandwich and the Shake Shack Korean fried chicken sandwich. All right. So, Paul, do you want to go first? I see you licking your lips over there. All righty. So first, we'll pull out the McDonald's one. I'll take a nice bite of this, Sammy. It looks small in your hands. Do you have really big hands, Paul, or is that just a kind of a small chicken sandwich? I think you just ate half of it in one bite, too. <laughs> I split it in half with my roommate because I didn't want to eat three chicken sandwiches. Okay, that makes sense. And then while Paul's taking his uh, bites, I'm going to bite into the spicy KFC chicken sandwich. It does look incredibly crispy and actually quite nice. Um, and I think based on the way it's constructed, I think the spice comes from the sauce and not the actual chicken. Because uh, it's got this kind of orangey sauce all over it. The chicken filet on the McDonald's one, and this is the not spicy one, is... Lower quality than Chick-fil-A's. The breading is not as crispy, but that might have something to do with the fact that I'm eating it a little later than is probably recommended. The bread is actually, it's like the very classic McDonald's overly sugary, overly buttery bread. No bread should have this much sugar, but it's undeniably delicious. Uh, Overall, I would rate this not as good as Chick-fil-A. Okay, I guess that's the scale we'll do. Uh, in terms of like one to ten, how much damage it does to the LGBT community? Much more damage than Chick Fil A. <laughs> um, okay, so I've tried my first bite of the KFC chicken sandwich. It is still crunchy even after all this time, which is pretty remarkable. And uh, Paul, you know me. Like I don't think I'm as equipped with spice as you are, but uh, it's got a, it's got a, it's got a good tingle to it. Certainly not like spicy, spicy, but um, that was one of the things that annoyed me about. Actually, many things. That's one of my like pet peeves is when someone calls something spicy on a menu and it doesn't deliver. So I'm happy that KFC is at least delivering a little bit. And it's a thick patty. It's a juicy boy. The buns are toasty. And uh, for me, I'm a simple man. Uh, chicken, butter, maybe a little sauce and pickles is all you need for a sandwich. And it's well constructed. I'm a fan. All right. Well, I'm going to move on to my spicy McDonald's chicken sandwich. Go ahead and take a nice little bite of Reno of this. So I think this is the time to mention that my order at Chick-fil-A, and yes, I do still go there, even though Adrian has staked out a very noble moral position of not eating there, I'm problematic and do still sometimes purchase Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches. Paul, you don't want to do the Amelia where you go and every time you match your money spent with a donation to a uh, LGBTQ uh, charity? Does she really do that? That's what she says. I doubt she actually does it. (laughs) Um... No, I don't. But, I, you know, um, anyway, I, yes, I'm a bad person. And yes, you should absolutely not eat at Chick-fil-A. But moving on from that, this is not nearly as good as their spicy chicken sandwich. It's not spicy at all. It's slathered in a sauce that I believe the sauce is supposed to be like the source of the spiciness. And it's not like it doesn't have a particularly good flavor, uh, which is weird because it feels like could have just made like I mean, the Big Mac sauce is good. Couldn't you have just made that, like, spicy? I don't know. And same bread as you always get from McDonald's, once again. I'm still digging into this KFC sandwich because I'm actually quite I'm quite fond of it, which is weird because, well, I do like KFC, but it's one of those things where back home in South Carolina, the franchises, whoever owned them, of Burger King, 
did a really bad job. So I always grew up thinking I hated Burger King. And then the one by my house here is well run and really good. They usually do things really well. And I think the KFC in Davis has a particularly bad reputation. So I was surprised that it was uh, as well constructed and well made as it is. And it's uh, delivering on flavor. And I think Paul set the benchmark in a weird way because it's been so long since I've had Chick-fil-A that I don't really know if I prefer it over a Chick-fil-A sandwich, but it does fill the void that's been left by Chick-fil-A for sure. I would I would pick this up if I was in the area. And uh, Paul, if you want to switch restaurants, do you have any uh, final comments about your first restaurant? Oh, what, what's, do you remember the price point for these things? Mm. I think I paid about $4 for each. Exactly. And that was something else I wanted to mention. I wanted to set the record st- straight. I do love Review Bra, and I do love Report of the Week, but he was completely inaccurate on his pricing. This was like $3.60 per sandwich. I don't know where he pulled the number $6, and he said across the country it goes anywhere from 5 to 7 I don't know if Charlotte is particularly cheap. Wait, for the McDonald's uh, sandwich? Yeah, but mine was definitely between 3 and $4, so I'm confused as to why he was citing prices between 5 and 7 But Where is he based out of? Uh, Denmark? <laughs> Yeah, where they have to pay a living wage to their employees. <laughs> so it costs 40 cents extra for a sandwich. <laughs> All right. So I'm much more excited for the second sandwich I have here. I am AJ. too. I, I'm I'm more of a Wendy's stand from either an A-tier fast food restaurant. I would give KFC like a solid B-tier. So I trust Wendy's. I think I'm in capable hands. Paul, thoughts on Shake Shack? For me, Shake Shack's overpriced. Not really worth it. I would never go there unless I was invited by somebody else. Uh, not a big fan. Um <laughs> But I am significantly... Okay, what, what an more, indictment to begin. <laughs> <laughs> I am... But it is a much better restaurant than McDonald's, and I'm significantly more excited for this sandwich. I I, mm. I, I had agreed to do this segment with you, so I, was, I wasn't really thinking about the price. So, yes, it's objectively much better, but, you know, bang for buck, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So, for your buck, you'd rather bang a McDonald's chicken sandwich. That's so true. <laughs> That's so true, bro. I am jealous that you're so close to a Shake Shack, though. Two of them. There's two of them. Right. There's two of them things. How many in and outs, though? Zero. Interesting. It's a square chicken patty. This is the Korean one, right? Yeah. And the bun is connected. Oh, it's a little milky bun, it looks like. Interesting. Okay. I'm looking at Paul's face. He looks befuddled. Good quality chicken. Tasty bread. Tasty veggies. Don't know what about it is Korean. It was made by Korean workers. <laughs> <laughs> I legitimately have no idea what about these flavors are Korean. Uh, wait, hold on. Um, wait, what's the vegetation on the sandwich like? It's lettuce, pickle, and like a ranch sauce. Oh, interesting. No, wait, 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 wait. It's like a yogurty sauce. It's like a tzatziki sauce. Tzatziki. 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 <laughs> Yeah, this is like a Greek Korean chicken sandwich. I, I okay, I need to look up the description of this sandwich. Paul is expanding borders with this sandwich. There's definitely no sweet bulgogi sauce. Mmm. There's no gochugang? Not slathered in that gochugang at all. Alright, I'm gonna take a hit of this Wendy's chicken sandwich. Um it actually, in terms of us talking about like the whole new part of it being that it's like whole fillets that aren't kind of like ground up patties. This one does look like a more reminiscent, like a McChicken-type patty, but it is fully loaded. It is cheesy as fuck. There's a bunch of cheese on the paper that's melted out. Yeah, they just gave me the wrong thing. I definitely did not get... I got, like, their classic chicken sandwich. They did not give me their Korean fried chicken sandwich. Oh, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) 
What the fuck? <laughs> uh, wait, did you drive through this or wait, what, how did you get this? I ordered online. Damn, they fucked it up. Is that an automatic uh, fourth place finish for Shake Shack then? Yeah, Shake Shack. And overpriced and they'll fuck up your order. Damn. Okay. I will say though, if you're going to defend review bra, I'm going to defend Shake Shack real quick. Secret menu burger with the peanut butter sauce. Get a bacon burger with peanut butter sauce on it. It's pretty incredible for a, for a fast food burger. No, I'm going to cut that out. Highly recommend. And Paul, <laughs> if they uh, get your order right, I promise you, you're going to have a good time. All right. Anyways, to finish out my list on what's going on with this sandwich, there's a whole bunch of shit. There's melted cheese. There's like nacho cheese as well as what looks like melted string cheese, as well as cream cheese, as well as jalapenos and bacon. So this seems like a wild ride. I'm just going to go into it. Paul, make some comments to uh, get through me eating like half of this sandwich. All right. My honest review of the Shake Shack chicken sandwich is this is chicken as envisioned by white people, completely bland and flavorless. Maybe it's because I expected flavor going in, but it just like... There's nothing going on. This is, it's good chicken. If if you're just the type of person who only cares about quality ingredients, sure. But if you care about flavor, spice, uh, soul, heart, this is a trash sandwich. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Paul, for taking up some time for me. Um, this is an interesting one because this one is taking me to Flavortown. I would say that right now. I'm on a one way ride. To Flavortown with this sandwich. Or as Paul would call it, Flavorton. <laughs> but I think Paul hit on something there. There's there's some spice, uh, there's some creaminess to it, there's some novelty to it, and the fact that it's a jalapeno popper chicken sandwich, like you can tell what they're going for with the way that they're mixing the flavors. I think it hits that out of the park. Now, in terms of just wanting a chicken sandwich, I think I prefer the KFC one. Because I think it hits the classicness of it a little bit better. This one's a little bit busy. But it's the kind of thing where, like, um, if I'm trying to treat my body like a like a like I'm at a carnival, this would be where I would this is where I would go. I'd like to treat your body like we're at a carnival. It's like you behind <laughs> the, the merry-go-round. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can go wrong with either of these. To be honest, to be to be honest, my uh, my yeah. If you're looking for a classic chicken sandwich, go KFC. If one is closer to you than the other by a pretty significant distance, just you know, you, you can't go wrong. Go either. Um, Shake Shack's Korean chicken sandwich might be good, but I didn't get that. So all I can say is that their classic chicken sandwich is not good. Not good. We're getting not good from Paul. <sighs> yeah, no good. And the McDonald's one are about what you would expect. They're like McDonald's food. They're completely edible. They're they're pretty good, but they're not as good as the like closest competitor that you actually enjoy. I mean, I've been on record with this a million times. If if you're going to McDonald's, go for the breakfast. I, I disagree. That's ridiculous. Okay. Paul, why do you have to be a contrarian? Why can't you just agree with me for once? <laughs> so, if we're on the topic of fast food, a quick story from this week. So, I don't know if you do this. I, I swear guess to you... God, if this is a story about fast casual, I'm going to be pissed. No, no. This is fast food, baby. Okay. Through and through. Uh, I don't know if you do this. I can't imagine you would, because why would you? Um, one thing that I do sometimes every now and then is I will look up on Google Maps how close I am to something I remember from home. And that is how I came across two really cool realizations this week. One, everyone always talks about Lizard's Thicket, like it's the best, like, from South Carolina fast food, fast casual chain. I didn't realize, because it's one, it's like one of the only ones that was actually founded in South Carolina. And I think is only contained in South Carolina, uh, if I'm correct. It may have migrated out of the state. But... Rushes is also only in South Carolina. 
What? I might be moving to Alabama for the summer, so I was looking, I was like, I wonder how close I am to a Rushes. And there's like seven of them, and they're all contained in like the 40-mile radius in which we grew up. Is that true? That's true, yeah. Like, Rushes <laughs> is like a Lexington thing. <laughs> Why? Like, in my mind, I was like, oh, I could always talk about Rushes. People would know about Rushes. Yeah, you're like, oh yeah, maybe it's like a Checkers or like a Rallies or something like that. Uh, no, like, yeah, if you did not grow up in, like, the 30-mile radius in which we did, you would not know what Rushes is. That is honestly, like... Is that not, like, ground-shaking a little bit? It is. That's actually incredibly mind-blowing. I mean, the lizard sicket thing, you could have told me the one right next to my house was the only one in existence, and I would have believed you. That felt... <laughs> there was at least one more in Colombia. <laughs> that felt local. Um, But damn, I really thought Rushes was a national chain. What were your thoughts on it? Because it was uh, never my go-to, but my no. mom always really liked it. I, I would always get the barbecue sandwich. That was about it. I used to get um the chicken sandwich, which I liked. That was more in the post-Chick-fil-A uh, era. I did like the barbecue sandwich. They do mustard-based barbecue because, of course, they know what they're doing because they're from Lexington. Um, But also, it was uh one of my favorite places to do a milkshake with fries because their fries were a little extra salty all the time. So it really worked with that combination. Mm. They really, they did a good job of making it seem like every other fast food place. You know what I mean about, like, a local place? You would think mm-hmm. they would, like, fuck something up or they would be, like, significantly more expensive or something. No, mm-hmm. it, it really, it fit right between the, like, McDonald's Burger King. If, if there's one thing that maybe gave the game away, it's that the decor never caught up with the decor of other fast food places. Mm. When Wendy's got that, like, weird, oddly modern renovation. Yeah, when they got that Danish... Uh, <laughs> When Paul dressed up and uh, pretended he was an architect and let him, they let him design <laughs> the South Carolina locations. Wendy's did become so obnoxiously ugly at some point. They were just like these. Yeah, the weird... one by the USC campus has so much natural light and so many like glass window panes that are huge. <laughs> yeah, but not like well done version of that style. No, yeah. It's like the ugliest rich guy's house on a cliff, but all red. <laughs> Whereas I think uh, I think McDonald's took a more tasteful turn away from their uh, zanier. Designs. Yeah, although yeah, it is yeah. always nice when you see an old McDonald's. Yeah, it is charming. It is charming. Yeah. Um, okay, and so that brings me to my second point, really quick, which is Paul. I don't know if you know this, but in terms of like hip fast food places, but in a way that's really endearing, Bojangles has some fire as fuck merch. Dude, they have a biscuit pillow. It is a circular pillow that is printed with their biscuit on it. Well, let me look it up. And hold on, I can send you these links, dude, because they're fucking amazing. Hold on. You know, something I was going to mention, something worth following. Dude, you got to search. I don't know if it's just a Twitter or maybe like a subreddit, what the original like finder of all of these is. But like, there's this like concept of like unique McDonald's buildings or like. Oh, is it like the one where there's the turquoise one in like uh, New Mexico or whatever? Yeah, but there's hundreds of them. If there's hundreds of them, then how unique are they, Paul? Because they're not all the same. They're all unique in their own way. <laughs> Dumbass. <laughs> no, I get that. I get that. So wait, how, what, what are we talking here besides the one that I brought up? I don't like, know. How, It'll how be a random stuff. Like, they'll be like one shaped like a UFO, and they'll be like one shaped like a boot in Texas or something. Mm. Um, or they'll, I don't know. Uh, a lot of them are like the one that are specifically made for some sort of like very specific place. You can serve McDonald's like... Oh, look at this McDonald's. Like, I mean, have you ever been to Washington? There's like a McDonald's in the Air and Space Museum, and it's like, ooh. Yeah, so um, a lot of McDonald's that try to fit into food courts and stuff like that just end up looking different or being like weirdly novel to look at. Because McDonald's is like, it's almost a language. 
like you know what the old McDonald's looks like, and you know what the new architecture for McDonald's looks like. And so whenever you see one that's different, there's something weirdly fascinating. Yeah, especially because McDonald's is so corporate and so obsessed with consistency that they would take risks like that. Mm. Even like that is like at least um it's interesting. It's 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 worth pointing out is like mildly interesting. Wait, Paul, did you, did you take a look at that merch? Oh, wait, about to. Okay, I'm taking a look at the merch. In case you're wondering what to get me for my birthday. It's a Bojangles shirt. It's a Bojangles hoodie. So there's the brunch combination, which comes with a hoodie, basketball shorts, and the coolest shirt. It's a white shirt with buttery biscuits and a Bojangles logo on it. And then take a look at that throw pillow, my guy. Well, I can't get you any of these for your birthday because you'd know what's coming. Oh, it's like a very hyper-realistic looking biscuit. Yeah, <laughs> that is that, is does that not like bug you out, dude? That like I was geeking at that last night. Also, I didn't send it to you, but they have a parody of the baby on board stickers that says Bojangles on board with like the little carrier basket that they have. <laughs> Which, man, that's I, I, I would be awesome. scared to get you that pillow because I, you know, I don't want you choking when you wake up late at night feeling a little hungry. <laughs> wait so is this uh this isn't me dreaming about eating something and i eat my pillow this is me waking up in the middle of the night i can't tell that the pillow is an actual biscuit <laughs> that's what you're worried about you're just like who put this massive biscuit next to me must be somebody who really cares about me like i'm just chewing on it like this is such a dry biscuit must be from popeyes yum 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 num 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 <laughs> you're right they should have a warning on that all right, what was this thing you what is this other thing you want to bring up? I was going to mention the the entertaining uh aspect of seeing anything ever else, any other sort of store or fast food place when they're in an old uh, Pizza Hut building because mm. Pizza Hut has that very classic roof and so you can just immediately yeah, yeah. like, oh, that used to be a Pizza Hut. <laughs> that lawyer's firm used to be a uh, Pizza Hut. <laughs> I think if, I think if you were that lawyer, you should really like lean into it with your marketing. You should be like out in thirty minutes or less, <laughs> or, or your incarceration is free. Your your legal advice comes with unlimited toppings for a limited time. <laughs> um, there was also I think this is only tangentially related, but one of my favorite old Kyle Kinane bits was about how sometimes you can't tell whether or not a building is a funeral home or an Italian restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> and uh that really resonated with me <laughs> uh man these yucks these yucks from jokes other people have told love them love them that's what you're here for all right i'm actually ready to uh oh yeah let's let's talk about the topic uh paul but i also noticed you have a uh cute little mug is that a cardinal and a dogwood yeah look at that isn't it adorable that is quite beautiful, yeah. And I don't, I'm going to have to assume those are like the North Carolina, like state bird and flower because, or maybe plant because it says North Carolina under it. Uh, mm-hmm. So I actually picked this up this weekend uh, out thrifting. So nice. Got got this for a beautiful 99 cents um, at a thrift store that I really liked, and I can't remember the name of, so you guys don't get a plug. Wonderful. Uh, I actually don't know if that's a dogwood, to be honest. I'm not good at plants. I, I was more referencing the uh, famous Pine Grove lyric. Mm. But it is a cardinal, for sure. I, I know that I'm, 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 I'm a very bad plant identifier. I'm an okay birder. And um, yeah. Yeah. So, Paul, the, the theme for this week, uh, 
thrifty shopping, vintage shopping, bargain hunting. Uh, hey, Macklemore, do you want to go thrift shopping? Value Village. What, what? What, what, what? That's the whole theme. <laughs> that is the whole theme. You you hit the nail on the head. So what do you have to say for yourself? I'm sorry, and I'll do better. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. In terms of your history with thrift shopping. Oh, um, <laughs> thank God. I thought you knew about all the things I'd done. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, my history with thrift shopping. I enjoy it. I'm not one of those people who's dedicated enough to it as a craft to really build a full wardrobe. So I kind of use it for accents like... Oh, that's a really nice jacket, or oh, that belt or tie. Yeah, so those types of accents. No, yeah, but you, you get the vibe of what I'm saying. I, I love buying mugs and, like, pretty little knickknacks um, from surf shops. Uh, things for my desk. Um, but I do find it hard to find well-fitting pants, just because mm. finding a nice pair of pants in exactly the size that you want is hard so i can't like i feel like i always have trouble like filling out a full wardrobe and shoes are particularly shoes and pants are oh, i don't that. think i think i've bought shoes from a from a thrift store like twice and i've thrift shopped quite a bit in my life yeah um, and it, it is it, hard to find those uh, uh 30 waist 22 inch pants that paul really likes <laughs> well no it's because i have to get them specially tailored to have enough room for my were you expecting me to save you there <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to finish that joke about having a massive dong. That- All right. <laughs> um, oh, you know what? I was actually thinking about that the other day. I don't know if this is getting us off track too early, but um, uh, we don't need to do media roundup, but I've been reading this book that's really good, and it's a history book, and it's really fast-paced in its narrative, so people get brought into the story and out of the story really quickly. And one of the things that I always think about is whenever they're like, so this party formed... And they ended up picking this guy as their leader. But for a while, they thought about this guy. He was a short, stocky man with a short temper. But uh, he was deemed to be looking too European to be a part of, like, the leader of the party. And that's, like, all they tell you about that guy. Or they'll be like, here's this person who's a U.S. ambassador. He was a former colonel, stern, but he loved his wife. Or, like, I don't know. The way they, like, have to define you in, like, two words or, like, two phrases. I was wondering, like, what... How would someone write about me if they were, like, describing me? I think exactly. I mean, I know for a fact the book you're reading is about Guatemala. You would be the one who is too European to lead the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're short and stocky, so perfect. Well, I was thinking more of it would be like, uh, you know, Adrian, he was a stout Guatemalan man with a a big ego and an even bigger dick, I think would probably be what they would say. No, I think think you already got it with your (laughs) description. Uh yeah, so thrifting. Oh yeah, so Paul, uh, how 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 when, when do you remember your first time going thrift shopping or anything like that? Any any stories you want to bring in? Any cool stories? No, my parents weren't big thrift shoppers. They were more like I feel like they would rather buy something cheap and new mm. from Walmart than even go thrift shopping. Uh, uh, I I guess in college I started going with some friends, but I didn't really like do it a lot and then i guess some point right after college i was like you know if if i hit on a weekend every couple of weekends if i just hit like five of them i can at least get one nice piece in a day something cheap and nice to fill out my wardrobe with and i just started doing that every once in a while i think Mm -hmm. it was kind of boredom just kind of something to do because you're never gonna find something nice at the first thrift shop you go to you gotta go to a bunch of them Mm -hmm. if you're gonna find something nice that is that's the right attitude to have. I appreciate that. 
because it well i guess one of a few stories that i have is um whenever i moved in with justin and we were trying to find a couch uh we would go all over town looking at different thrift stores and at a certain point after like three of them we went to and we couldn't find anything we liked and i think some of them didn't even have couches like available at the moment and he was like, why don't you just call them ahead of time and ask them if they have couches and what they're like? And I was like, Justin, you do not get the vibe of <laughs> yeah. what we're doing right now. <laughs> you do not get you do not get the M.O. of yeah, rifting yeah, a couch. Yeah, yeah. He's he's completely off base. It's it's about the journey. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't expect Justin to know that, you know, Justin was uh, he's from a well to do family. I remember being completely flabbergasted when I found out that uh, the reason his very picturesque living room in middle school had one pillow a little bit askew was because when his mom cleaned the house that made it look like the house was lived in uh that was the direct quote and i have never like i mean i make fun of dora lee for the way that she treats her dog as being like the whitest thing i've ever seen but certainly one of the whitest things i've ever heard was when justin explained that to me one guest came when the guest came over they would remove everything from the medicine cabinet except for like one like antidepressant uh medicine because that's like the high quality that's like the rich person disease <laughs> so you wanted them to see that uh yes exactly exactly um and uh yeah so i i was big into thrift shopping uh my parents weren't big on thrift shopping but they definitely did get a lot of stuff like secondhand um but dorley and i were big on it i think it's nando used to take us thrift shopping and then whenever dorley was able to drive uh we would go thrift shopping quite a bit uh over in Lexington, which didn't have like, you know, the, the best options the for thrift shopping, but we had the Goodwill we next to the Kmart house. and we had the much better Goodwill. We had the much, we didn't go there. We had the much better Goodwill. Uh, I think even then we were still kind of weary about uh, certain reputations of businesses. <laughs> you were going to go to his house and a week later you were going to be working an old timey plantation <laughs> thinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I mean, they're like a super, like, they're obviously like a super religious, uh, I think it was Salvation Army and, and his house that we knew were like, they're probably not good for their values, so we're gonna Salvation try and Army go somewhere is, else. Salvation Army is a nice thrift store, though. They got some good stuff, but yeah, they are like anti-gain, anti-masturbation. Yeah. Um, and they never let you do it in the store, which is really annoying. <laughs> uh, but there was the much better Goodwill over in Irma. Sir, are you gay masturbating? No, I'm thinking about a woman. Oh, please continue. <laughs> But now that you're turning around and walking away, they're like, hey, get back over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there was a much better Goodwill in uh, in uh, Irmo, which I still went to whenever I had dentist appointments over in, uh, not Irmo, in uh, White Knoll. And there were, there were a few really good ones to hit on the way there. I think the Elephant Shack is one that I can give a shout out to if it still exists. Yeah, and then the, whenever we lived in Northeast Columbia, Dorley and I, we knew the one Goodwill that like was sourced by a much higher income area than the other ones, so we'd always hit that one up. And then I was trying to think of items because Dorley was much more of a oh, do you um group together flea markets and thrift stores, or do you think of them as separate concepts? Like, should we do that in a different episode? I don't group them together mentally, but I I, I wouldn't like dispute somebody who did because they're places you buy used things. Um, sometimes a flea market, but I guess with a flea market, it's different because it's not always used. Some of them are setting up stands for just saying for new stolen items. <laughs> for new stolen <laughs> items. Okay, we can save that conversation for another day. But the general gist of what I was going to say about flea markets is that Dorley and I were very different thrift shoppers where I would usually pick out one good thing per day, whereas Dorley just wants junk for the sake of junk. Like if if there's yeah. something that has Pikachu on it, she'll buy it for fifty cents, no matter what it is, and keep it forever. <laughs> so, I I think that's exactly what I try to avoid because it's easy to fall into that, and I don't like I like kind of being a semi minimalist. Yeah, 
and having like a relatively empty room with maybe like a shelf with some nice nice things on it but the idea the idea of crowding myself stresses me out yeah yeah you should see dorley's guest room where i i uh, stay whenever i'm in portland yeah dorley takes a little bit of like a a bit of after our mom with the hoarding uh not as bad as my mom by any means uh but yeah i i also try to go for kind of a minimalist thing so i have like a few accent pieces but i think one of the like most um nonsensical purchase i made at a flea market is i bought a really cool persian teapot that i thought looked nice because at some point i do want to collect teapots and i figured hey we'll start with this one (laughs) yeah i think i think with yeah i mean i said it earlier but like if you hit three places and you find two things that's a good day um for me at least and i do want to give a shout out to people who are better at it than me who either go more often or are more willing to like do the work with picking things that mm-hmm. need a little bit of love to be re-sewed or tailored or um, like maybe cleaned up a little bit and actually fill out their entire wardrobe with thrifted items. Um, I think that's really cool. It is definitely the most eco-friendly way to exist is to purchase your wardrobe like that. Uh, I don't, I'm not talented or or have the time enough. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think that's an option for a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, in our like you know age group and like tax bracket. Yeah, you yeah. could either you either have to put in a lot of work or just acknowledge you might dress a little bit badly, mm-hmm. or you have to put in a lot of work and to go into thrift shops pretty frequently. Yeah. So to wrap up general discussion, Paul, do you want to do like best item you've ever bought at a thrift store? Oh, you know, I, there's a there's something about three years ago, about now, that was like this faux cashmere jacket that I wear all the time. I found out it was faux cashmere when it rained and it didn't get ruined. Hmm. Um, but it's like this really nice, like uh, tan colored, or wait, not cashmere. Uh, what's the other suede. one that gets ruined? Suede. It's, it was a faux suede. Yeah. So uh, this like faux famous suede episode of Seinfeld where he wears the candy cane <laughs> uh, in exactly. line suede. And so yeah, it's this faux suede jacket. It's like a tan color. It's got like a really nice collar. I, it's basically my go-to light jacket. I really love it. Yeah, I think I have something similar. Hold on. So this is by far my favorite because it has a good story behind it. Um, I bought a a Unitrans uh, worker shirt uh, with someone whose name is Mike (laughs) uh, with a tag on it. Uh, It's like a little worker shirt for the Unitrans system. And I like it for a couple of reasons. One is Mike's a really common name, but it's clearly not my name. And so I think that's a funny aspect to it. And there was also one time where I was TAing a class and I wore it to TA uh, when the instructor introduced me and was like, this is Adrian, your TA. <laughs> I was just sitting there with my mic shirt and I was like, sorry, I didn't know this was today. I'm sorry for being confusing. Um, and it's, just, it's a nice look. I like it. It's also, I've used it before for a really lazy costume where I can't remember what the theme was. Um, it was dirty. That's what the theme was. You had to dress something dirty. And so because it's like a worker shirt, I dressed as like a mic from Dirty Jobs thing. Mm. Mike bro. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get to the articles. Let's talk about thrifting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Paul, uh, another one where I guess this one's a little bit more of a direct uh, theme. So I think we both chose. We both didn't choose anything out of bounds or anything weird. I think we both kind of knew where we were going. All right. So, Adrian, for my article on thrifting. um, So this was like one of those things that was like a pretty common theme when looking up people's questions about thrifting. And it was basically the question around, can vegans buy fur 
if it's thrifted. Ooh. Can they buy fur or leather if it's thrifted? Which is something we've top we've tackled in a very similar way on the episode with Phil. Go back and listen to the Lost in the Sauce episode with our boy Phil. Mm-hmm. Um, with the question, can you eat an animal if it's roadkill and you're vegan? So this is, can you buy fur or leather if it's thrifted and you are vegan? So I brought in a website called Fiverrish and Use. Um, and this is a short question. So I really... It doesn't specifically mention thrifting, but I mean, you'll be able to quickly see what the connection is. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was just something me and you could uh, could think about. The question is short, so we don't need to like, there's nothing really within the question that's too wild or crazy to discuss. Question. I recently inherited two beautiful vintage fur coats from my grandmother. Any tips on how and when to wear them? And what do you say people, and what do you say to people who are critical of real fur? Hmm. So my connection was, this is like, there wasn't a lot of advice columns specifically asking the question, but there's a lot of think pieces of people basically saying, can you wear fur if you thrift it? Can you wear fur if somebody else gives it to you? What, What about used fur is morally different at all than regular fur? And you're saying you want to add to that sphere of uh, think pieces? You want to do a little 20 minute John Oliver thing right now? Yeah. And I think what those fear of think pieces could really use are two people who aren't vegans and haven't thought about it or done any sort of like critical analysis or educated themselves at all, I think we could really like add to the discussion as those two types of people. Moving on, our main story tonight is about thrifted fur. Um, that's my best on Oliver. It's too posh. I, I, I love that. Can you, oh no, I thought you were doing a. Uh, I thought you were doing a whole different thing. Okay. No, no I was doing. That's what he always says. So he's like, our main story tonight. Um, uh, but um. I see the kind of like Buddhist monk argument of like the animal's already dead. You're not doing any good by refusing to wear it or throwing it away. But I think there's also the side point or the counter argument of like wearing fur maybe makes it seem okay for other people to do the same, even if they're not thrifting it. And I don't think you always have the power to explain to every single person who sees you wearing it that you're not endorsing people buy new. And that seems like a hard thing to control. And um, I'm not a big fan of fur either. I've talked about that on pod before. How about leather then? I mean, I, I know you look, you, you kind of, you've been trying to start a bad boy look. Like what if you found a really nice biker leather jacket? Uh, They're too expensive when it's real leather. I, I would just get, I would just get fake leather. Okay. But isn't that just going back to, doesn't that kind of destroy your first point about if other people think it's real. What is this, a Ben Shapiro video? It's an epic destroy <laughs> logic fail, my first point. <laughs> I think I just don't have an opinion on this, so I, I'm going to grill you on yours. Yeah, but I think what's different about it is it's easier to say, well, this isn't real leather than it is to say, oh, well, it is real leather, but I bought it secondhand, and I think that's fine. You should just not buy it firsthand. It's a much quicker thing to be like, it's not. Then why leather. couldn't you just lie for, do a white lie for simplicity and just say it's fake fur? Because. Because morally you're okay with it, but you don't feel like explaining the whole situation. In third grade, my pastor told me every time you sin, Jesus has to take on another sin while on the cross. When does it ever say that lying is a sin in the Bible? It says, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he did not lie. That's not what it says there. That's true. Look it up. I won't. You're wrong. <laughs> Wait, isn't lying in the Ten Commandments? Is it? Yeah, pretty sure it <laughs> look is. Look it up. It's not. <laughs> yeah, hold on. Let me look it up real quick. 
and I'm in. Uh, yeah, it's actually one through five. Um, okay, yeah, I see, I see the point you were making. I'm sorry, I just felt like being an ass. No, it's okay. I don't know why I resorted to religious uh, explanations to say why you shouldn't be able to tell white lies to make your life easier. I'm actually huge in favor of telling white lies to make your day easier. Is this proof that you don't believe in like any sort of morality outside of religion and you're one of those people? Who... I'm like Steve Harvey. I, if you're not religious, what's your barometer for why you can't go around killing everybody? <laughs> That is the coolest argument that Christians make. <laughs> it's super dope. Okay, I feel that. Uh, I, I don't think... Uh, I feel like... I mean, I think the other part about it is that we're not vegan, and then we've never lived anywhere where we would wear a fur coat. Yeah, well, I wouldn't buy a fur coat because I don't think they're stylish. Yeah, number one. I don't one. think leather is stylish either, yeah. so... It's really squeaky. I think... <laughs> <laughs> Don't wear it when the cow is alive, Adrian. <laughs> it's always saying moo <laughs> and chopping on grass, <laughs> ruminating and shit. Uh, yeah, so uh, this isn't really a problem for me because my answer is no. I guess from a moral standpoint, if you're just really in love with that leather look or that fur coat. So wait, look, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. In terms of fur and leather, actually, this might not be a good argument to go down, but. Uh, when we don't make leather out of cows, we make like beef food out of, are we like wasting cow or is it like cows that become leather are like specifically raised for that? And like, we wouldn't actually like use, it's not like a, you're not using the every part of the animal type thing. No, I think that's one of the things. If you're a meat eater, there's really no argument against fur or leather. No, it's unfashionable. I mean, yeah, there's no argument against the morality of it. Oh, sure. If you're a vegan, I mean, it seems super evil. It's like not even for sustenance. If you're a meat eater and you're not willing to make a necklace out of undeveloped cow fetuses and wear it as a fashion piece, you're a hypocrite. You know what I mean, Paul? <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> if you're willing to eat a burger every now and then, <laughs> why are you not willing you take a bunch of dead baby chicks, make a little midsummer crown out of it, and wear that around. That's my question. If you're willing <laughs> to eat the turkey on Thanksgiving, <laughs> why are you not willing to stick your feet into two live catfish and wear them as slippers while you walk around on concrete? That's my question, Paul. That's my question. Because they keep going flippity flop, flippity flop, yeah, flippity flop. flip flops. And all my enemies hear me coming. I'm not saying wear them as your ninja shoes, Paul. <laughs> all I'm saying is if you're willing to go noodling, you should be willing to do that. Because every time you go swimming, they run away and gotta get a new pair of shoes. That's true. Oh. Where are we going? We, we clearly have no conviction either way on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious we don't. Hold on, care let, let's 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 cover our bases though, because it was brought up to me in a way that was like so obvious that like, well, yeah, Paul and I just didn't think of it at the time. That would have been a good way to go. Uh, our argument about being there for your child's birth, like someone texted me and was like, "You're supposed to be there for the woman, not for the baby," and I was like, "Oh, well, yeah, if you bring, yeah, that makes sense, I guess." But I said that to you. That was part of my argument. No, I don't think so. No, no at no point did you actually say like you're supposed to be there for a support for your uh, partner. I thought I did. Damn. If I didn't, that's on me. Yeah. Maybe I cut it out. I was like, that's too good of a point. <laughs> um, yeah. Is there nearly anything really obvious that we're missing here? Uh, it's expensive. So don't don't spend money on that. Spend money on cool stuff like drugs. 
Um, it's too hot. It doesn't look good. Um, we got the fake stuff. It's not like meat. We're like, we're just now getting around to getting beyond burgers. Like we've had fake fur for a long time, for a long time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And fake, uh, and fake leather pleather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was a friend of mine who, uh, he didn't like my ferrets, but he would always make jokes about how he liked the color of their fur and he really wanted to, uh, skin them for their fur. Oh, they would have made a beautiful scarf. Yeah. I don't think they're big enough for a scarf. They're big enough for like a, you know, those all three of them. Come on. We could have made one. <laughs> you know, those, uh, bracelets that used to like just slap on your wrist, slap bracelets. <laughs> you have enough for one of those. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Do, do you want to hop to the answer? Do you want to? Since clearly me and you have no convictions about eating meat. Wait, so if or... you don't if you don't already know the answer, you did read some of the think pieces, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. there is there any good insight in you think or it was almost exactly what you said at the beginning, which is like the very like they take the point of it's not immoral, but like we choose to not engage with animal products, so just like keep that ball rolling. Like mm. I mean it's like there's only a few points where it like a few edge cases where it seems to really be like these types of questions show up, which is like, is it moral to eat something that's already dead? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, those things aren't happening often enough. Keep the ball rolling. You, you, I think one of them I read basically said, no, being a vegan is never using an animal product. So you can't buy it used because mm. it's like a very stringent rule. You've It's not about whether it's immoral or not. You've said, I'm never can you just buy use an animal product. Can you just buy a used steak? <laughs> can you just exactly. buy a used burger? Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think... But you see, I don't know if that makes sense. Is it because to me, it felt like they just defined it because I do. Does every vegan, for example, like would it ride a horse or would some say, oh, like the animal in this case isn't being abused. He's like a horse I take care of and we have a mutual. That's exactly what I was going to say is I think I've read quite a bit of wacky vegan takes on beekeeping. Uh, and that's another one where like, because I actually know the biology of it, a lot of them sound incredibly ridiculous, mm -hmm. but, but like horse keeping, if that's the word, uh, having a stable, that's something that I know nothing about. So I don't know what the general conditions are like for a horse and whether or not it actually is immoral to ride a horse yeah, if you're but vegan. If you have your own stable and you feed it, like maybe some vegans would say that's immoral because you're kind of enslaving the animal. Mm -hmm. And I think some would say, I mean, it's kind of your friend. It, it's it, it's not smart enough to like find its way back home so you do have to I, I have no idea what like the consensus would be but i think a lot of vegans at least nowadays have really expanded the definition of they'll keep pet dogs they're not like the mm. in incredible like super vegan like militants that you imagine from the old days that said like having a pet dog was enslaving an animal or whatnot mm. but i don't know uh yeah, I don't know either. All I know is for all of our vegan pals in the comments, leave a five-star review. Let us know what you think of this and uh, how Paul and I handle vegan issues. And don't say anything about the first segment. <laughs> I love the idea that somebody listened to all that and kept listening. <laughs> and then it was when we got to our vegan uh, faux fur takes. The interesting thing is, I kind of brought the whole vegan issue into it because that's what a lot of the think pieces like, uh, comment right, on. Right. Neither this question or answer are about being vegan at all. <laughs> it's just about whether or not you have moral issues with fur. Okay, let's hear this answer. I'm going to sneak off for another beer real quick. Let me start by caveating that this question is about vintage fur. I fully understand the implications of wearing fur for many people, and I accept that some folks don't like it. I personally wear vintage fur because it's not only warm AF, it already exists. 
That means that it's not going in a landfill, and it means those animals don't die for nothing. I would love to see more ethical fur happening, like we've seen with the rise of ethical meat. Until then, I'll be cozy in my vintage fur, repairing and caring for clothes that already exist. It's also nice to be able to use things that have sentimental value, otherwise they're just taking up space in your closet. Now to the meat of the question. When, where, and how to wear it. The best time to wear it is anytime it's cold! That was me trying to, like, do the exclamation point. Mm. The best time to wear it is anytime it's cold! Sometimes the most interesting and compelling yeah, way three. to wear your... The best way to wear it is anytime it's cold! Okay, I like that. Sometimes the most interesting and compelling way to wear your clothes is to create tension between high and low price, dressy and casual. <laughs> wear it with your... Just wearing, wear it with eight, basketball eight. shorts? Yeah, can you do can you do uh, your best high casual dressy dressy casual high and low price combos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the basketball short thing is like the lowest of the low for me. I only started wearing them out of the house because of quarantine, and I gave up on life. But for the Monocle longest time, and traps. Oh, we're not even going with the fur, just anything. Yeah, yeah, just anything. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, top hat and mesh shirt and mesh shirt. Tiara I'm really Uggs. just doing kink wear as my low class. Yeah, you're just you're just dressing someone up for a dubstep concert. <laughs> I said a uh, tiara and Uggs or tiara and Crocs, Ooh. little T to B. That just sounds like every college girl on their birthday. Ooh, roasted the Hope Diamond and uh, <laughs> and a slap bracelet, the WWE Wrestling Mania belt, and a crown. Pants that say juicy and a saber. All right, last one. A pocket watch and one of those t-shirts that makes it look like you're wearing a tuxedo, but it's actually just a short sleeve shirt with a tuxedo printed on it. A powdered white wig and a tap out shirt. Now that we've hit that bit out of the park, let's move on. Clothes is to create tension between high and low price, dressing casual, wear it with your sneakers if you feel too dressed up, or add a turban if you feel like being a diva. What? D don't add a turban would be my recommendation. Yeah, yeah, don't do that. Try it out and get used to it. I guarantee the next time it's 30 below, you'll be so warm you won't care if people think you're a fancy lady because you are. Fair warning, be prepared to receive compliments with a gracious thank you and cri criticisms with a, it's a vintage. Wait, that's the beware, not beware of uh, people from PETA throwing blood on you? <laughs> Thanks so much, Leia. Oh, and then she uh, put in a picture of stylist Leia Van Loon and designer Heathen Elda Dickey, both in vintage fur, both looking fabulous is the header. And then it says, thanks so much, Leia. Lovely readers, please don't hesitate to send your questions as you've just seen. Leia is good for an opinion and I'm good for sharing it. XO. Very good. Oh, so actually that answer wasn't from Michelle Megan McIver. She forwarded it to uh, mm. stylist Leia Van Loon who answered it. And then she just, uh, and then... Michelle Megan McIver just signed off right there. Okay. Man, squad goals. They are my dream team. I've always said I really wanted to read an article written by Leah Van Loon, Michelle McIver, Megan, McNan. I've been saying her name Megan the whole time, but I just realized there's another N in there. It's Michelle Megnan McIver. Wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those things where I just saw the shape of the word. And I was like, I know that one. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that all the time. You just skip over entire words and assume you got it. <laughs> uh, all right, Paul, are you ready to go to my question? Yeah, let's go. Paul, what? Okay, can, can we just have a quick meta moment where we talk about how 
this was not the easiest uh, theme to find articles for. Yeah, no, it wasn't. And I apologize because I picked mm-hmm. it and it felt like it would be so easy to do spins on to like find, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh, my boyfriend sold my favorite watch at a thrift store or he mm-hmm, like donated mm-hmm. it to a Goodwill without even asking me. And it's like, he said it was old and old. like, I thought there would be all this drama about thrift stores, but no, it's like weirdly lacking in advice columns. And so I ended up choosing the one that I found that fit the theme the best. And I'm going to do a pre-cancellation apology. I know how it looks. I know the stereotypes. I know um, that this is a sensitive topic, uh, but I'm bringing it in because it was the best article I could find. So my article is about bargain hunting and being thrifty. Uh, This is Dear Rabbi, your Talmudic advice column and this is a column written by dr svi zahavi Uh, i'm going to quickly read his very impressive bio um he is an academic he's an expert in the fields of judaism talmud and jewish liturgy Uh, he's the author of many academic papers as well as academic books um did his undergrad at yeshiva college uh, with a ba in mathematics and then did his phd in religious studies at brown university He was also the principal investigator of an IBM-sponsored grant for developing software to assist in teaching Hebrew. That's just the last line of his academic bio. I thought that was interesting. Mm. Okay, and uh, if you want his contact info, his number is 201-362-5867. I guess he put it out there publicly, so you can also just keep that ball rolling. All right. This is from July 4th, 2014. Dear Rabbi, Often when I go shopping or order merchandise online, I feel compelled to search and search to get the very best deal. After I buy something, if I find out later that I could have gotten the item cheaper, I feel so disappointed with myself. I'm afraid I may have a bargain hunting disorder. What can I do about this? Desperately seeking deals in Demarest. Dude, I can't believe that 4chan wrote in a joke question to this advice column. If they did, they did it with a pretty subtle hand. (laughs) What are your thoughts off top ball? Yeah, I mean... This reminds me of my roommate a little bit. People... Um, people, I, I love a good deal, too. People say that something's a... Is a... It's like a mental disorder, or it's like a... You know, it's when it starts affecting other things in your life. So my question to him is... He said it's something he pays a lot of attention to, but is... Are other people in his life pointing it out? Or is he bring Is he harming himself or others? Or detracting from his quality of life with this. Because if not, then eh, it's kind of like it's a hobby. It's something you fill some time with. It's not that big a deal. If you're if it's become such an obsession that people don't enjoy being around you or that you are being brought anxiety or mental anguish, then it's something. If you're out at Central Park and you want to get a hot dog, but you have to walk the entire perimeter of the park to see who has the best deal yeah. on a hot dog and then walk to the right one. Um, yeah, I think I sympathize with this a little bit, not with, um, I'm not always the most frugal, but I am pretty big on doing review searches added ad infinitum or whatever the word is, um, where I am looking for the thing that is the best price for the most number of good reviews, which I know is a fallacy because they're all paid for anyways. But, um, that's something where I've spent way too much time doing that, uh, to figure things out before. So I'm sympathetic in that sense. I'm not super big on like um, if I'm getting an oil change somewhere, I actually like look at who has the best price for that or anything like that, especially for things like that. I don't really care that much as long as they're kind of reasonable. Yeah, for that one, it's almost more like who's closest to me and who's like next to something that I can walk over to while the oil change is getting done. 
Like what? Yeah, and which place gives you a free soda while you're waiting? Mm. You got to factor that into the price. That's smart. And then you got to take as many free sodas as you can. However, I actually go in with my MC Hammer pants, and uh, <laughs> I think I walk out having made money. <laughs> they also give you a free car wash, which I like. Yeah, so uh, I mean, that would be my advice. I, do you, does, do you think the rabbis can take a more spiritual look at this? Like how your connection to God plays into your thriftiness? Probably. I'm not gonna lie. This is not one of those where like I read some of his other answers. I did read another one of his questions where uh, this was a really fun one that I might bring in later. But it's a guy who talks about how his wife doesn't like uh, the depiction of Jews on Family Guy, but he thinks the show's pretty funny. <laughs> Should he still keep watching Family Guy? <laughs> He's like, I think Family Guy's pretty cool. And she thinks that uh, Seth MacFarlane's an anti-Semite. <laughs> so yeah, maybe we'll see what he has to say about that later on. But uh, yeah, I have no idea what uh, the rabbi is actually like. So Paul, did you have more more thoughts on, not about how he's going to answer the question, but about how you would answer this question? No, I mean, I think I said it. Like, it's uh, whatever. You're an old dude. Old. Uh, if you're young, stop this shit now. If you're above 40, whatever. This is just like what people above 40 do. You lose your mind in some way or another. You might as well be this type of guy. So you're not one of those uh, young people need to stop buying avocado toast all the time and maybe look for a better deal? No, what? No, you're not one of those? Actually, what the fuck are you talking about right now? <laughs> you're not one of those uh, young people need to be more frugal and figure out how they spend their money and rein in their spending habits? No. Old people need to spend their money more and stop clutching it into their deathbeds and ruining this economy. That's actually a good point. That's a big fact right there. That's the real stimulus package. <laughs> and by old people, I mean old wealthy people. All right. All right. Okay, so let's see what Rabbi Zahavi has to say. Dear Deals. There is nothing wrong with looking for a good deal or trying to save money when you shop. Effective negotiation in transactions is valued as, as a desirable skill. I didn't even think about that. Paul, have we, we've talked before about haggling, right? Yeah. Yeah, not a big haggler. I, I can't do it. Really? I can. I'm a, I'm a master haggler. Is that a thing you got from your parents? No, I have no idea. I've never really tried. My parents do it. And uh, I know that's uh, one of those really like um, typical things of like, what do people think is weird about America? Is people always be like, you're not allowed to haggle at Target. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll haggle at a flea market mostly, the only place I haggle. And I think the important thing about haggling is, like, you legitimately, you can't haggle by just being a moron, finding the one thing you really want, and then trying to get the price as low as you want. You have to find mm -hmm. multiple things you want and be prepared to walk. And having that mental connection with, I don't really want the thing, and I there's something else I sort of want, and I'm willing to go there mm -hmm. and try to get that next is what will make you a good haggler. I think... That's true, because that's kind of my haggling mentality is um, I pay sticker price. If they think I'm a fool, that's fine, because they don't realize. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> At a flea market, if you can get 30% off, which you usually can convince them by first pitching 60% off. 30% off? What kind of math are you doing in your head? <laughs> yeah, first you pitch 60%. They usually counter offer with 25%. You pitch 50 then they'll counter offer with 30 That's when you take it. You don't go any lower. I don't like how this was prefaced with you saying you don't haggle, so I have no idea how much of this means anything. <laughs> I don't actually haggle that much. I mean, this is, like, my personal strategy. It's, like, work. I got Game of Thrones, uh, like, seasons one through two on DVD doing this for a pretty discounted price. Um, they had a pretty cool poster in the DVD set. Ah, <laughs> uh, gotcha. I must say, because you would just torrent that shit. I've said this before, right? I, I, we're getting to the point where we've done so many episodes that now I have to keep saying we've done this before, right? 
but the biggest thing I noticed in the difference between my adult apartment and my brother's was how much of his bookshelf and like shelves are filled with physical DVDs <laughs> and how I have like one fourth of one fourth of a bookshelf filled with a couple of DVDs. Mm. Yeah, I have zero. I don't own DVDs. Really? I bought a first season of Seinfeld at a thrift store. Oh, you're right. I actually I... own The Last Airbender on Blu-ray. Oh, nice. And I think I bought some uh, some Simpsons DVDs at a, a thrift store as well. Cool. Let's keep let's keep moving on. Frugality is considered by many to be a virtue. Some religions raise the frugality trait to an overt ethical ideal. Quakers and Puritans in America, for instance, have encouraged a lifestyle of modest spending. Really, the pot calling with... the kettle black here with a rabbi, but okay. Quakers and Puritans in America, for instance, have, have encouraged a lifestyle of modest spending in combination with helping others through charity. On the other hand, sadly, we Jews are sometimes stereotyped unfairly and negatively for our frugality. Our what consumer is this? I culture. Heard about this. What's that? Yeah, I'm gonna say. I, 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 like I said, I, I don't know anything about Jewish food. I don't really know anything about their culture or stereotypes. Mm. I kind of grew up so removed from them. Mm -hmm. uh, closest synagogue was like 50 miles away. Yeah. Closest thing we had was a Jehovah's Witness. It starts with J. <laughs> Our consumer culture in America pushes us through its commercial interests towards conspicuous consumption and lavish spending as the goals of a good life. That's obviously contradictory to any aims at prudent thrift. I don't know if you are truly lavish or frugal. Your problem appears to be that you feel driven to a near compulsion to get the absolute best deal on whatever you buy, be it a big ticket item or a small purchase. So let me assure you outright, it is okay to pay retail. I give you permission to do that. You do not always have to get the best price or deal on everything that you buy. This may not be a profound insight, but sometimes it helps if a neutral third party just tells you that. And if you do manage to go retail and yet your disorder persists and you feel that paying retail is a personal shortcoming, something like a sin, then I have an additional suggestion to help you deal with what you perceive to be a failure in your behavior. On Yom Kippur, an alphabetical concession of our sins that we recite in the synagogue, the Ashamnu, you can quietly add one more lapse to your catalog. Retail new. That's it. Oh, okay. Um, until the last part, I really like the answer. It was like oddly secular and kind of like nice. And... Oh, it got too inside baseball for you at the end? <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, was that a pun? I didn't really get what he was doing there. Was that like a joke or a pun? Or yeah, something? it was in quotes. I, I think it reads as a pun. Okay. Yeah. It's one of those things where when they do the subtitles for the American release uh, in the South, they have to <laughs> explain how that's a pun in the original language. I, I guess the only thing I have to say for that is it really, you know, we were making, we were having a little bit of fun with like the idea of Jewish stereotypes and how that played into this question. Not a comedian, this guy. All right. I'm canceling this whole question. <laughs> <laughs> this whole episode's canceled. <laughs> I didn't, Paul, if you can't behave yourself when you bring in a Jewish how question, scandalized you'd become, Adrian. When did you become an SJW? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just saying. Uh, big facts, no cap is against anti-Semitism in all its forms. Absolutely. Paul, any final thoughts on this question? No. Yeah. I mean, uh, don't be problematically frugal in a way that like bother the people around you. But it's it's nice to get a good deal. Yeah. Have you ever been bothered by that? I had a thing where. Um, I, I think I spent more on groceries the first year I lived in Davis because lived with a, a, a housemate who would do the shopping for kind of like the house um, and split up the bill. And basically what he did is he like found what was on sale at our local like bargain market. And because I liked what I liked, I would usually supplement with my own shopping trip to Trader Joe's and I would just kind of end up spending more money than if I had just shopped for myself. 
And then nowadays living with Tin, uh, him and his uh, partner are both very big on like, I will make my decisions on what to eat for the day based on what's on sale for like the lowest price. Um, so yeah, they, they, they really get a kick out of the frugality of it, but in a way that seems, um, certainly not like, pro- yeah, like you said, it's not debilitating in any way. It's just like actually like smart living. Yeah. Uh, no, that's exactly the way to do it. Um, as soon as it starts bothering the people around you, cut back. Rabbi had a really good point there. It's okay to spend retail if it like lowers your anxiety and just like lets you get out of there. We'll wrap it up with a little big fact, no cap. Big fact, no cap. Big factoid, no cappuccino, the full name of the show. Oh, I thought it was big factuals, no capitals. I think I've used both before. <laughs> I think it was in a recent uh, video where I heard uh, Juicy J use the phrase no cappuccino. <laughs> I just kind of liked that. Um, okay, big fact. Oh, I-, I forgot to mention this when I went downstairs to grab another drink after recording the first segment. My roommate mentioned that he thought that the McDonald's sandwiches were absolutely an abomination and that he loved the Shake Shack sandwich and thought it was wonderful. Hmm. And I think that uh, the Shake Shack sandwich was basically flavorless and the McDonald's sandwiches were also not good at all. It was actually like overall, I was pretty disappointed with this experiment. So I would say if you want a good, nice chicken sandwich, stick with the classic, the nibblers from Zaxby's. Hmm. Uh, and actually, you know what's weird is my no cap is also about the sandwiches. Uh, my no cap is now that I've kind of been able to sit on it and ruminate for a little bit. The KFC chicken sandwich is 100% just gunning for Popeyes. Like they literally took a Popeyes chicken sandwich, brought it into their research and development lab and tried to like tease apart what every ingredient was. And that's what I realized was so reminiscent about it. And I think they do an okay job. If you, if there's not a Popeyes close by, KFC works. Mm. And you know what? I'll say it. Maybe I'm alone here. The potato wedges are pretty fun. The mashed potatoes and gravy are pretty good. I think the sides are actually better than most of the sides of Popeyes. I I, I don't know about the chicken and the chicken sandwich, but I'm actually more of a Popeye fried chicken. If we're going pure fried chicken, than uh oh for sure KFC. I think I can agree with that. All right, that's our big fact. No cap, right there. Bye, buddy. Bye. Don't listen, save money, nigga, don't listen, save money, don't listen. Fuck yo, designer on my mama, I get fly without the labels. 15 minutes saving, stacking paper with no staples. Geico wonder how I do it. Shot from every angle, yet the style is so congruent. I make these niggas mad when I'm dressing like they dads out the 80s. Rekindle that fire, now I'm sparking all the interest with they ladies. Like, where you get your clothes, nigga? What you call your style, boy? Can you take me shopping to some places I ain't never been? Imani found that Dolce and Gabbana and Betty rocking the shit up out that letterman. Let us swallow. Off, but never ever is cheddar falling off. No, never ever is cheddar falling off, nigga. And I be lying if I ain't tell you I love it. That why yourself like yourself, but fuck it, I'm on a budget, man. Fuck it, I'm on a budget, and I be lying if I ain't tell you I love it. That why yourself like yourself, but fuck it. Don't listen, save money. Don't listen, save money, nigga. Don't.